Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing So for those of you who uh, may not be familiar, we have been going through the book of James since the beginning of the year, and we are on James 118, which I'm excited about. And I'll, um, I'll go ahead and read it here out of the New American Standard. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Interesting. In this little verse, we have at least four main paths that we could explore this morning. We could explore the will of God. We could explore our existence. We could explore the word of truth. We could explore first fruits of God's creation. I mean, it's like James. In one verse, you just packed in like so, so much that quite honestly... I don't know, maybe we'll spend the next month unpacking each one of these avenues. I don't know. But I do know that we're taking our time here, right? And one of the things I'm learning as I take time to auger down into the book of James is the importance of language and the importance of trying to get a sense of the original intent of the author here and also to have an understanding of who this is written to and why. All of those things help us find, I don't know, I guess context, but also help us apply some things that we see here in the scripture that maybe we would just blaze past, you know, if we were just reading the book of James. Of course, we know that what we read has been translated into English, right? And did you know that in the Greek language, there's there's a more clear difference between what's known as an indicative, an indicative and a non-indicative form. Can I nerd out? Can I please do that for a second? Um, I, I think that uh, in the Greek language, an indicative mode is a verb form that you use when you're making a declarative statement that is assumed to be factually accurate or true. So that's an indicative. The English grammar blurs the lines between what's indicative and what's non-indicative, such as when you ask a question in the form of a statement or when you state your opinion as if it were fact. No one ever does that around here. (laughs) Stating your opinion as though it's fact. Um, That would be a non-indicative use of the English grammar. But we use it as an indicative. It gets all blurry. It gets all like, wait, what? Is that true? 
And I think it brings a lot of confusion. And so for me, one of the things that's really been helpful is that the difference, often the difference between an indicative and a non-indicative in the Greek, it's, it's one of nuance, really. But it's a difference nonetheless. And it can be important to understand that even, like, it's important for us to understand those nuances. It's important for us to even feel those differences. I know, it's a feeling thing. And some of you, you've been properly raised up in a rational mindset with an empirical worldview. And so feeling, when it comes to reading Scripture and truth, may not land well on your heart. You may be like, no, we don't. We don't let our emotions dictate. Actually, you know what's interesting is you can actually feel the love of God when you read the scripture. So it is important, and it's important to know the nuances and the difference because, yeah, in a culture where the lines are blurry and we state our opinions as though they're facts so often, it's really helpful for us to understand the deeper meanings Like, what is the main point here? So let's look at the beginning phrase of James 1.18 in English, and then we're going to ask the question. I want you to tell me, what do you think the main point is? I'm going to read this in three different translations. Actually, I'll probably end up reading four. But I'll ask you what the main emphasis is here. Like, what's the indicative? What's the main salient point? Um. I'm going to read it here. Uh, This is out of the New Living Translation. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. How about the um, ESV? Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Or how about the New Revised Standard? In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth. Let's just spitball for a minute. What do you think is the indicative here? What do you think is like the statement that is like declaring the truth? That is kind of the main point here. If you were to read this in the Greek, understanding Greek grammar and having the emphasis placed where it needs to be and where it should be as it was originally written, where do you think it lands? That we are born again in Christ. All right. Anybody else? Yes, sir, Jason. His choice. choice. God's will. God's purposes. God's desire. Okay. Anyone else get another one? I mean, there's kind of three options here. The word of truth. Right? Um, So if you read this in the NIV... He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. It feels like the main point revolves around God's will. And that God made a choice. And it's highlighted actually in the fact that in English, we usually start a new sentence here. You know, like there was a period just before that phrase speaking about God's choice. So it kind of brings a highlighted. But you have to look at this because in the Greek, Verse 18 is actually dependent on verse 17. So let me read that again. So while the verse may start, God's will, 
Let's read James 18 in the context with 17 and see if you experience any sort of nuance difference. Let your feelers kind of come out. All right? Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now, I'll just go ahead and just tell you what I'm learning. Uh, Verse 18, as originally written, the indicative is in the phrase, to give birth to. That's the main sort of like, and it's the main thought that we were given birth. And the adverbial participle, I'm going to nerd out on you a little bit. Um, actually, the will of God indicates that this all happened according to God's desire, but that supports what the main thing is, that God birthed us. And the language here is interesting because it may seem like a little thing, but when it's multiplied over hundreds of times with this type of construction throughout the New Testament, it actually is very significant. Um, when, when James 118 is often translated, it's often translated, God brought us forth. Do you have that in yours where it says God brought us forth? But the original intent here is to express that God gave birth to us. It's the same language as being pregnant. You're about to give birth to Benny, and like it's kind of that. It's like, no, there, there's something deeper here. Again, it's a nuance. But nuance is a part of language and meaning, and it it has a different feel to it, doesn't it? So why am I telling you all this? Thanks for indulging me for a minute. To listen to me just kind of nerd out on language. I'm actually not a linguistic individual. I, I actually don't typically dive this deep into the language. But it, it was I was just drawn to it. I think the reason why I'm telling you all of this is because the point of James 1.18 is to encourage you and I to receive and to enter into, to apply, and to trust the new birth, which is a gift given to us by the desire of God, the Father of lights, through the word of truth. Again, in this little verse... We could go at least four different main ways, you know? The will of God, our existence, the word of truth, the will of God, our existence, the word of truth, and first fruits of creation. For me today, I want to draw from the indicative that God, the Father of light, the giver of every good and perfect gift, gives us our existence. And even more, gives us rebirth in Christ Jesus. This is the indicative of the entire gospel of Jesus, for crying out loud. Isn't that interesting? This is the point of our faith tradition summarized for us. And it's also summarized in Titus 3, 4, which is my life verse. It's like, when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. 
So let's remember that James, Jesus' brother, is writing this letter to instruct and encourage all the Jewish people who had put their faith in Jesus Christ, and they have been scattered. This first-generation group of believers in Jesus as the Messiah, they've been persecuted. They've been tossed like seeds in the wind to and fro for being part of what was known as the way. And so in this introduction, really, this is just the introduction of James's letter. I mean, we're only at verse 18, right? But in this introduction, James is reinforcing the bedrock that Christianity is built on. And so while we can certainly see that James, you know, the, it's actually the first letter that was written in the New Testament. I don't know if you know this. Even before the Gospels. Um, that this letter that actually was written several, it's believed several decades after the ascension of Jesus because they had an oral tradition that depended on the community to bring forth the, the stories and the message and the way of Jesus in a context of community where they weren't isolating themselves off and reading about it in a book. They were speaking about it and living it out. And so here James is writing this letter, and he's basically reinforcing the gospel of Jesus, even in that one verse. And, um, and so it's echoed throughout all of the New Testament teachings, all of the New Testament writings, Listen to John 1. In fact, I would like for you to go there, if you wouldn't mind. If you have your Bible app, go to John 1, verse 1. And I want, I want us to read this with everything that I've just been talking about as a backdrop. Okay, so this is not like a departure from what I've been sharing. This actually kind of just points to the fact that this is echoed. The same theme is echoed throughout all of the writings of the New Testament, even people that weren't living in the same space, right, all the time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness was not, has not overcome it. So you're hearing the echoes of James. You know, you're hearing like the father of lights. You're hearing all of this coming. And verse 6, there was a man sent from God, and his name was John, and he came to, as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. We can get our heads around this. Speaking of Jesus. But let me ask you this question. What is the word of truth? And um, it seems our rebirth is supported not only by the desire of God, but it comes through the word of truth. I was once, this is a confession, ready? I was once a biblicist. (laughs) Do you know what that means? All right. Thinking that the scripture we know as the Bible is in fact the word of truth by which I would experience newness of life. Now, I know some of you are like, alarm bells are starting to go off, and you're starting to question, does Chris love the Bible? He says he does. He reads, he quotes the Bible a lot. We're digging into the Bible, and yet I'm saying that for me in my personal journey, I had to come out of a biblicist worldview that was relying on the scripture as we know it, those books in your hand, as the source of life. I'll just let that sit in the air for a minute. And then I read John 5, 38 through 39. As Jesus confronted religious leaders of his day who were also biblicist. And he says this, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Oh, so I had to repent of being a biblicist And I had to repent of believing that my trinity was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. And I had to come into a realization that it was in my relationship with Jesus as the word of truth. That the Holy Spirit who was going to lead me into all truth was going to release newness of life to me. So I want you to think about this analogy. Think about a ponderosa tree in your yard. Probably all of us have one. If not, we know where to find one. (laughs) They're all over the place, and they're big. And the wind that we've had over these last couple of months, like they can withstand some force. Maybe some of you have had trees fall down on your property. I'm sorry about that. But I want you to think about the ponderosa tree as your life of faith, okay? You only actually see half of that tree. You know that, right? The other half is under the ground in the root system. The roots of your life are supported by the soil. Like when you think about the the tree being like your life of faith, then you have to understand that your life of faith is being supported by the soil of the written scripture. And yet your tap roots go down into the depth of the love of God in Christ Jesus 
in order for your life of faith to withstand and even reflect accurately the life of Jesus. Does that work for you? Yeah. The thing that I want to point to, and this is really important actually as I'm thinking about Oliver growing up and I'm thinking about having new conversations with my kids because some of, the, some of my older kids knew me as a biblicist um, in a way that actually put a weight on the scripture that the scripture itself, the Bible was never actually intended to bear the weight of some of these big questions, like, but only Jesus can sincerely answer them. Hear me clearly. The word of God is infallible. The word of God is inspired. The word of God is inherent. And as one of my new favorite authors, Brad Jerzak, puts it, and when the word of God became 18 years old, he grew a beard. (laughs) Think about it. Like Jesus is the word of truth, and he became flesh, and he dwelt among us. What Jesus does is he answers some of the big questions that we have of faith that when we look at the scripture, we can actually become more confused about our faith. Like, for example, if you read Ezekiel, you could read in there that if you beat your slave to unconsciousness, if they don't die for a day or two, then you won't be held accountable. How do you reconcile that? Well, you reconcile it with Jesus. And you reconcile it with the teachings that point to Jesus, that say, in Christ, there is no male or female, slave or free, that there is liberty, that Christ came to set us free. However that manifests itself in the culture, I personally think that there is no good slave owner. Because I think slavery is a sin. (laughs) Because I'm drawn from Jesus, not from what I've read in the text that could justify my bad behavior. In Jesus, we receive rebirth. We enter into rebirth. We apply the rebirth. We trust in this rebirth that comes through the word of truth, Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. In Christ in Christ. Go ahead and devote a tremendous amount of time, energy, resource, heart, mind in the Bible. But my new creation comes by being in Christ, not in the word of the scripture, but in the word of truth. Could it be that if anyone is in the scripture they will experience newness of life. Absolutely. And yet, we cannot place on the Bible the weight of our existence and the renewal of all things in accordance with like First or Colossians 1.17, that Jesus alone holds all things together. Jesus holds all things together. And so the scripture is very, very helpful. He even said it. He says, they point to me. 
Think about when Jesus was walking on the road to Emmaus and starting with Moses and all the prophets, he unfolded the scripture before them to share with them things concerning his life, himself. I would have loved to have heard that. I would love to have a transcript of that conversation. Where's that? I mean, it's awesome. So how do we apply all of this? Well, according to Colossians 3.10, you and I have a choice each and every day to put on this new creation, to put on this new man or this new self, however your translation reads it. Uh, Again, Colossians 3.10, put on the new man who is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator. Okay, so again, we find our birth in Christ, in God, and we are being renewed in the knowledge after the image of our creator, and we get to put this on every single day. So what does that look like? Well, let's move down into verse 12 of Colossians 3. It says, clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you have been called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ, or shall we say, the word of truth, in all its richness, fill your lives. Man, so to wrap it up here, um, I'm pointing to this idea, right? that we get our life from God. It's a gift from God. It's something that is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. We are rooted and established in his love, and we are supported by the scriptures that point to Jesus. All of that is very good, and it's in concert with the fact that you and I have been reborn. I mean, this was the big dilemma for Nicodemus. Jesus is saying you have to be reborn. So I love, I love how, like, I love actually in, in James 1.18 when it actually says gives birth to instead of, you know, brought forth by. Because even though that's metaphoric language, it speaks of a deeper thing. Like it's, there's intimacy there. And just like you were knit together in your mother's womb, Could it be that you are knit together and continually knit together metaphorically in that womb of God that is your new life? So what does this mean? Well, I'm going to wrap it up by talking about the first fruits of all creation just for a minute, literally for a minute. Because this, I mean, we could go down that road. That's awesome. But what does it mean in a nutshell, this idea that we are the first fruits of all creation? In a nutshell, let me draw from Revelation 21.5, and the one seated on the throne said, and we know who that is, right? It's Jesus, the word of truth. Behold, I make all things new. And he begins with you and I. 
When's this going to happen? Is it in the future somewhere? No, it's now. It's now. It's now. It's now. That said, this rebirth and renewal that comes through the love and the kindness of God in Jesus Christ is much more, okay, can I go ahead and say it's much more than the fountain of youth. Like, we're going to have renewal. We're never going to get old. I mean, I... Forgive me, I just went on this little like sidebar here, but I have this thing because I'm getting old. And I'm having this issue where I'm trying to hold on to the word of faith that would tell me that my body is not going to get old. Well, actually, the word of truth tells me in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Our rebirth and renewal takes place in the interior life that we have with Christ, and it manifests itself, if we so choose to clothe ourselves in it, it manifests itself outwardly in our actions. So, I thought this was kind of cool, where it was like, Jesus is saying, I'm going to make all things new, and he begins with you and I. And it's now, and it's daily. And that's the message I'm drawing from out of James 1.18. All right. Fun. So, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for newness of life. Thank you for new hopes. Thank you for anticipation of good outcomes. Thank you that we can have optimism, knowing that um, day by day we are being renewed in our inner man. Thank you for that reality that informs how we're going to act in this world. Thank you that we get to learn more and more about who you are, Jesus. And Jesus, even if we've raised some big questions today about how the Bible fits in with our journey of faith and our life of faith, Lord, thank you for the scripture. And thank you that you do speak to us. And thank you that your scripture points us to Jesus. And so Jesus, we come to you We come to you as the creator of all things who holds all things together, including our lives. And we thank you for the renewal and the rebirth that you give to us by virtue of your Holy Spirit and your words of truth. And I pray, God, that in the same way, even as Mark was talking about your creativity and how you've created us in your image, it's not lost on me, God, that most of your creation was spoken into existence. So speak your words of truth and speak your words of life to us. It's also not lost on me that you formed us like you you put your hands on us. You shaped us. So God, we give you permission as the potter 
to the clay shape our lives. Continue to put your hands on us. And then, Lord, it's not lost on me that you breathed into the nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. So I'm asking Holy Spirit, Barak, breath of God, breathe into us fresh and new today, every day. Lord, I just feel us kind of settling into this right here, right now, and I just want to thank you for the comfort this brings to us. That in a world of disarray, where we don't know fact from fiction and we can't get what's up and what's down straight, this is straight. Jesus, you're the source of life and you've come to us as the kindness of God. So thank you. And Lord, in those specific areas where we would like to see renewal and rebirth, we surrender those areas of our life to you, trusting that you are the giver of life and you're the one shaping and molding and breathing into it. And we pray all this in your name, Christ. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.